3: How are you doing? Welcome to episode 30, The Big three o. There have now been as many of these podcasts as there have been WrestleManias. Ooh, I think I just smelled what The Rock's been cooking.
1: Now, three ways you can help yourself and help the dealer who supplies you with Parquet Margarine, the delicious craft quality spread for bread. First, to save valuable shopping time, know the point value of rationed foods. Second, plan menus a week in advance and serve the most nourishing foods available. And now, a third important point. To conserve paper vitally needed in the war, avoid useless wrapping. Avoid useless wrapping. Now, 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 three ways you can help yourself and help the dealer who supplies you with Parquet Margarine, the delicious craft quality spread for bread. Spread for bread. Spread for bread. Spread for bread. Smoothers. Smoothers. Bread Bread for bread. Now, 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 you're gonna love time. Bread for bread. Smoother. And serve the most nourishing foods available. And serve the most nourishing foods available. Avoid useless wrapping. Avoid useless wrapping. Useless wrapping. Useless wrapping. Don't ask your dealer to wrap. Avoid.
3: I have some news for you. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook then you'll have heard the whispers and if you go to the website you may have noticed that it's looking a little bit cluttered. That is because new undertakings are under- For a little while, I've thought that the special episodes, of which there have been four so far, don't exactly sit correctly alongside these regular shows. They certainly require more effort, and they're certainly different in tone. For that reason, I have decided to give them their own podcast, which is available now in iTunes. The name of the podcast is The Secret History of Hollywood and contains all the specials so far. Nothing's going to change on this show. The specials will still appear here as they always have. To be perfectly honest, when I began this podcast, my intentions for it were very modest, but they've grown into something else. The specials, I think, need their own home so they can form their own little series of histories. So if you'd like to subscribe, to that show you can do so in iTunes or wherever else you subscribe also there's a new Twitter account for that show in particular which is at movie histories we believe that was available I'll link to everything in the show notes if you haven't been keeping notes and if any of you would like to leave an iTunes review for the new show that would be most appreciated announcement over
1: today everyone is working harder than ever the riveter the welder the mechanic
3: the carpenter the Bell Cleaner. The Strangler. there no New Year for you. The Proctologist.
4: Boy, oh, that's right. It's plenty hot in this plant, and the
3: perspiration
1: just rolled off me. Hot? Boy, some days I think I'll just melt away to nothing. Yes, and there's 20 million people in more jobs all over the country who are working and perspiring faster than ever. And even if you work at an office desk or do housework, you perspire too. And of course, much more in warm weather. That's okay, it's normal and it's healthy. But here's something important to think about. It's perspiration that causes...
3: Ooh, I am sensing an opportunity here. Now, 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 three ways you can help yourself.
1: You perspire too. That's okay, that's okay. It's normal and it's healthy. (laughs) That's okay, that's okay. It's normal and it's healthy.
3: So after last week's sombre little journey into the sordid world of the serial killer, I thought we'd drink some tea and take a trip through my neck of the woods. I seem to spend a lot of time in Hollywood, but today I'd like to smuggle you all here to England, home of patchwork fields and spotted dicks and wonky smiles and bulldogs. I want to tell you all about three little British movies that are very much worth your time. First up, and bear with me on this one, is a movie from 1959 entitled Carry On Nurse. No, wait, come back! Please, it's not what you're thinking. Yes, it's a carry-on film, but it's not the kind of carry-on film you're expecting. Take your seat. This is going to be fine. This is the second carry-on film made by the team, and the smutty, grimy formula that everyone associates with carry-on films hadn't emerged yet. At this point, they were charming little situation comedies that gave a wonderful snapshot into the Britain of their time.
5: Hello, I'm Mick. Hi, Mick. Going to shave you? Shave? (laughs) My appendix isn't on my face. I'm not going to shave
1: your face.
3: So, the story here is that of a men's ward in Haven's Hospital, where various men are being treated as patients. So you have Bernie Bishop, the boxer who's broken his hand, Oliver Wreckett, the sharp-tongued intellectual, Ted York, the newspaper reporter, Jack Bell, the smooth Lothario, the list goes on, but basically, there is no plot line to speak of. The film is simply a long series of vignettes and gags played out against the backdrop of a hospital, but it's done in such a charming, light-hearted way that it's actually one of my favourite British movies ever, despite the first two words in the title.
4: It's Matron's Round. Well, mine's a point. (laughs)
3: You have some of the carry-on team here. You have Kenneth Williams, Kenneth Connor, Joan Sims, uh, Charles Hawtrey, Hattie Jakes, Leslie Phillips. But you also have some bona fide stars of British cinema with them. You have Wilfred Hyde-White, who would soon play Colonel Pickering in My Fair Lady. You have Jill Ireland, who would soon be Mrs. Charles Bronson. And you have the astoundingly beautiful Shirley Eaton as staff nurse Denton, who, just five years later, would die perhaps the most iconic death in the James Bond series, when Auric Goldfinger covered her with gold paint. Also, great snapshot of how much things have changed. All the guys in the ward are smoking cigarettes like crazy, betting on the horses. And don't get me wrong, there are some little winks and nods to racy behaviour. There are men and there are pretty nurses. What else did you expect? But it never borders on abuse the way that some of the later films did. It's a really good-natured, light-hearted British hospital comedy without a bad bone in its body. And maybe it's just me, but when the end rolls around and all the guys in the ward start leaving, you genuinely wonder what's going to happen to them and hope that they'll all keep in touch. The sense of camaraderie they create during the film is really wonderful. Uh,
2: Just a minute, Mr York.
1: Hello, what's
3: that?
2: Uh, For your bow, sit down, please. You, um,
0: given one of these before?
6: Oh, good gracious. Hundreds. (laughs) Get it down now. The
0: Never mind. With a face like mine, it's a mistake
7: anyone might make.
3: Speaking of the ending, this has a rather famous one. There's no easy way of saying this. They stuff a daffodil in a man's anus. Yes, right in the old anus. Colonel, whatever's going on?
8: Come, come, matron. Sure, surely you've seen a temperature taken like this before? Oh.
5: <laughs> yes, Colonel, many times. But never... With a daffodil.
3: So anyway, it was a massive, massive hit when it was released. It was the highest-grossing British film of 1959. It cost £70,000 to make and took £1.5 million in Britain alone. And it was such a colossal success in the United States that some theatres were holding it over for up to three years. Seriously, don't let the name put you off. Check out Carry On Nurse. It's a great British treat. To the
4: Assistant Commissioner of the Police, Scotland Yard, sir... The amazing events which I am reporting may be said to have begun on the evening of August the 17th, 1944. New paragraph. A postman was cycling up Herons Hill on his way to deliver mail at the hospital. His name was Joseph Higgins. I begin with him because he was the first to die.
3: The second film on my list is a murder mystery from 1946 entitled Green for Danger. This is the tale of another hospital, this time an emergency hospital, somewhere in the south of England, where a team of doctors and nurses are operating on a local postman who's been injured during an air raid. The problem is though, that the postman knows a dastardly little something about each one of the operating team, and when he dies during the simple operation, alarm bells begin to ring and Scotland Yard is sent for. It arrives in the form of Inspector Cockrell, a sarcastic, withering scruff bag played to perfection by the magnificent Alistair Sim.
8: A terrible business, Inspector. Mm, right, but where's the body? In the theatre, just as it was found. Police surgeon there? Yes. I do hope everything can be arranged discreetly. <laughs> Shouldn't think so for a moment.
4: Why not? Press? Do they have to be seen? Can't keep them out. Oh, dear. I don't mind. Always give me a good write-up.
3: Supporting him in the cast are some other luminaries of the British screen. You have Trevor Howard, Rosamund John, Leo Gen, and be still, my beating heart, Sally Grey. Yes, the flawless Miss Sally Grey pops up here to torment me, but that isn't the only torment-inducing thing about this film. I defy any of you to work out who the killer is. <laughs> This story is one of the most expertly crafted plots I've ever watched. It is a work of genius. It was based on a novel by Christiana Brand, who wrote a whole series of books about Inspector Cockrell, and who also wrote the Nurse Matilda books that Nanny McPhee is based on. Well, Christiana Brand was a genius at murder mystery. There are precisely the right amount of red herrings and suspects and clues and dead ends in this film. It will constantly keep you guessing. There is a very large something right at the beginning of the movie that will instantly cause you to suspect a certain someone, but it slipped into the movie so effectively that it doesn't scream clue, so your mind will start working along a certain path, but god, I can't say anymore. Just trust me, you will not guess the murderer. William Everson uh, actually wrote that only two films have ever achieved near perfection in that they set up a crime give you all the clues, give you all the answers, and still provide a solution that's near impossible to work out. The first of those films was The Kennel Murder Case starring William Powell, and the other was Green for Danger. And hey, even if the mystery doesn't float your boat, you have Sally Grey to gawker. Sally Grey. The final film I'd like to tell you about is probably the most British of the lot. It was made by London Film Productions. It's based on a story by H.G. Wells and it stars Roland Young, Ralph Richardson, Ernest Thesiger, Joan Hickson, George Zuko and George Sanders. It does not get much more British than that, let me tell you. This is a fantastic little fantasy comedy from 1936 and its name is The Man Who Could Work Miracles. So, very much like the opening of It's a Wonderful Life, we find ourselves in the heavens, where three gods are gazing down on Earth and arguing about its fate. Two of the gods want to squish it. They see man as a brainless parasite. But the third is fascinated by them and decides to grant them all unlimited power.
4: Don't give power to all of them. Try one or two first. That might not work. Just try one and see what there is in the human heart.
5: Why not? then perhaps we might see.
9: Just any little fellow. They are all very much alike. I'll take one.
3: The man they choose is a whiny, unassuming little chap called George Fotheringay. And the film tells the story of how he comes to terms with his new powers and what he chooses to do with them. If this film had been made in Hollywood, it wouldn't have been the same. For a start, this film is very low on gloss. It's very, very unglamorous, at least in its setup, It does go a little crazy towards the end. But for a good portion of it, we're looking at very ordinary people in very extraordinary circumstances. Also, Roland Young <laughs> isn't your typical leading man. He's a mumbling, whiny little elf of a man with an uneven moustache and ill-fitting trousers. He discovers that he can work miracles while he's in the middle of a bet in a pub. And whenever he casts a spell or works a miracle, he points and says, "Here you.
2: here you. Be lifted up about a foot.
3: Brilliant stuff. So he basically spends the first 20 minutes turning cats into pincushions and saying, Ear you. Ear
2: you. Turn upside down without breaking and go on burning steady.
3: <laughs> if the film had been the continuing problems of Mr. Fotheringay and his hereby newfangled magical apennins, then it would be perfect. The problem is that about halfway through it turns a little bit serious and you're introduced to a couple of new characters a vicar played by Ernest Thesiger and a warmongering colonel played by Ralph Richardson who both tried to steer Mr. Fotheringay into using his power to change the world and it gets a bit too preachy. Still I love the concept. I love Roland Young, as you know. I love the ultra-Englishness of it all. And I love the fact that the hero is a man called Mr. Fotheringay.
2: You listen to me, Mr. Fotheringay. Don't you do anything rash. You didn't ought to go about doing miracles, just anyhow. You oughtn't to turn your gifts to selfish ends. This gift of miracles and healing is something very serious. You ought to have advice about it, Mr. Fotheringay.
3: If you want to see a quirky little fantasy comedy with a lot of heart, then check out The Man Who Could Work Miracles.
10: Well, people.
3: Radio entertainment for this week comes courtesy of one of Great Britain's best-loved comedies. Dad's Army is a British institution which ran on television from 1968 to 1977, started in black and white and ended in colour. It was one of the most popular television comedies ever in the United Kingdom and told the story and adventures of the Home Guard unit based in Warmington-on-Sea during World War II. It starred Arthur Lowe, John LeMessurier, Clive Dunn, John Laurie, James Beck, Arnold Ridley and Ian Lavender as well as a whole host of British talent and each week was a new adventure or mishap generally caused by Captain Mannering's incessant need to prove himself as a leader. It would take someone far more skillful than me to detail the interpersonal relationships between the men, but it's a true delight, still shown to this day on British screen and still as beloved now as it was then.
10: The white of Dover.
3: It was even turned into a movie in 1971 and a remake is currently in the works, starring Toby Jones and Bill Nighy, which is coming out this year. How lucky we are then that starting in 1974, it was turned into a radio series with almost all the episodes being transcribed for the air. Tomorrow. I've picked a rather famous episode for you a story entitled The Deadly Attachment, in which the boys actually find themselves face to face with some honest to goodness Nazis. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you afterwards. <laughs>
11: We John LeMessurier and Clive Dunn in Dad's Army. <laughs> the Deadly Attachment, featuring John Laurie, Arnold Ridley and Ian Lavender, with this week's guests Frank Williams, Philip Malick, Larry Martin and Fraser Carr. <laughs> Here is the news and this is John Snagg reading it. The war in Europe continues unabated as Hitler persists in his attempts to become its supreme master. As far as Britain is concerned, Adolf's latest threat of invasion is by parachute troops. In his headquarters at Walmington-on-Sea, Captain Mannering, the CO of the local Home Guard unit, is talking to his men about this very subject.
6: Now, pay attention. Today, I received a new directive from J.H.Q. regarding Nazi parachutists. They have come up with some useful advice which we should all carefully note. Make sure you're not under him when he hits the ground. That'll do, Walker. It's very important. Now, GHQ says that uh, there is a danger that Home Guard units might confuse British pilots who have had to bail out with actual German parachute troops. So, to avoid confusion, a good point to remember is the fact that no British plane contains more than six men. Especially after they've jumped out. Especially after... Walker. (laughs) (laughs) not a matter for liberty. Sorry, sir. GHQ, therefore, suggests that if you see a bunch of parachutists floating down, you count them. And if there are more than six, you shoot them in the air.
5: <laughs> Mr. Manreen? Yeah?
8: Supposing they're dressed as nuns, do we still count them? <laughs> of course we do.
6: Count them, however they're dressed.
8: Would it be in order for me to interject at this point of the discussion? I suppose, sir. So. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I just wanted to say that it's really perfectly simple. You see, as the nuns float down, <laughs> the, uh, the turbulence of the air will cause their habits to rise. So we shall be able to see their legs and then we can tell if they're real nuns or not. Yes, it's a very good point. Well that's it.
6: Look at their legs. I don't think I can't look at nuns' legs, sir.
0: You're very impolite.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry, Godfrey, you just have to force yourself. I mean this is This is war.
5: Mr. Mannering, I wouldn't know what real nuns' legs look like. I've never seen any <laughs> Well, if it
0: comes to that, I don't suppose anyone has. <laughs> <coughs> hairy, Jens. I beg your pardon? If oh, the Nazis will have nasty hairy legs with jackboots on. <laughs> Aha,
5: yes. Yeah. Yes, quite right, Fraser. Hmm. Sure. What do we do if the real nuns have got hairy legs with
6: jackboots on? <laughs> you stupid boy.
10: <laughs>
6: Where was I? Ah, oh, yes. If a Nazi parachute just is floating down with his hands up... Would you think this was strange? Not half as strange as if he was floating up with his hands down. Yeah, walk (laughs) up. I won't warn you again. Now, if the parachutist has his hands up, this does not necessarily mean that he's surrendering. He could have a grenade concealed in each hand. So watch it. (laughs) Frank, pop into the office. Answer the phone. Yes, Mr. Manreen.
8: By the way, Wilson.
6: while we're on the subject of grenades, mm. have you primed our stock of Mills bombs?
8: Well, no, sir. You see, I... I told you to do it yesterday. Mm-hmm. What good are the
6: unprimed?
8: Oh, but it's uh, awfully dangerous, sir. War is awfully dangerous, Wilson.
6: <laughs> I want those bombs ready for instant use. See to it tonight. Right, sir. Mr Van Ryn, yes? you want it on the phone. It's GHQ. Very important. Thank you, Pike. Take over, Wilson. Oh, very good, sir. Captain Mannering here.
2: Ah, oh, Mannering. Uh, Colonel Winters here, GHQ. Uh, listen, I've got a very important job for you to do.
6: Oh, excellent, sir. What is it?
2: I've just had a message from the police. A fishing boat has picked up the captain of a U-boat and seven members of his crew. They're down at the harbour now, locked in the hold.
6: My dear, this is good news, sir.
2: Well, I want you to go and collect them and take them back to your place.
6: Oh. Well, I'm not really sure whether my wife Elizabeth would like that. Oh, <laughs>
2: I don't mean you're home-mannering. I mean where you are now, your HQ. I'll send an armed escort over to collect them from you as soon as possible.
6: Oh, very good, sir. We'll take good care of them in the meantime. Oh,
2: they won't give you much trouble. They've been drifting about for two days in a rubber dinghy. Anyway, good luck.
6: Thank you, sir. Goodbye, sir. By Jove. Face-to-face with the enemy at last. <laughs> now, pay attention, man. Uh, pay attention, Ronnie. Now, that, uh, that call was to say that a fishing boat has picked up a U-boat crew. And we've been detailed to go down to the
4: harbour and collect them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
10: <laughs> 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 oh, oh.
4: Mr Manorin, this is very exciting. I can't wait to get at them. <laughs> I'll just fix my bayonet, sir. Yeah, no, put, 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 put that
6: bayonet away, Jones. Just fall the men in outside.
4: Yes, sir, yes, sir. Right. Look alive there, fall outside to collect <laughs> the <U-boat laughs> <laughs> <crew. laughs> <laughs> u uh, uh, Wilson
6: and Pike. You uh, two stay here. While the rest of us go down to the harbour, I want you to prime all the grenades. If you insist, sir. I do. And what's more, I want it done by the time we get back with those jellies.
5: Oh, that's not fair, Uncle Arthur. Mm? I wanted to go down to the harbour and help collect the Germans. Well, well,
8: I'm sorry, you, Frank, you, you can't. so Just stop moaning, will you? Just come into the vicar's office, will you? And we'll make a start on the grenades. Oh, all right, Uncle Arthur. Okay, you guys, this is a showdown. Share this pineapple amongst you. Right. 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 For goodness sake, be careful what you're doing with that grenade. They're, they're very dangerous. Oh, these are quite safe. They haven't been primed yet. You know, I, I really don't like handling these detonators. I mean, they're so risky, you see. Oh, Lord, there uh, are only two left in this box. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's another box here. Yeah, but
5: that label says dummy primers for what? trading purposes only. We don't want dummies. They're no good. Hey,
8: look, look. There's hmm? another box of real ones at the back wait, here. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Frank, wait. Now, look, how would it be if we were to put these dummies in the grenades instead of the real thing, hmm? Well, Mr Menon would be awfully cross if he finds out. Yes, but somehow I can't help thinking he'll be even more cross if we all get blown to Kington Come. What? Now, come on, let's get started.
4: Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, left, left. Come on now, handy hop, keep them handy hop. Left, right, left, right.
6: All right, Jones. Put the hands down now. Right, sir.
4: Now, listen to you lot. You can put your handies down. Come on, handies down. Lower than that. Yeah, Come yeah. on, then. That's better, that's better. Permission to speak, sir? Yeah. The Germans' handies are now down, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see that. <coughs> Fraser. I sir. Get the Lewis gun.
6: Set it up on the stage so that it has a clear sweep of the hall. Aye, aye, sir. Walker. Yep. Go and get the stepladder. step ladder. are, Mr. Manorick. Jones. Get those prisoners into a tight group
8: in the middle of the hall. Yes,
4: sir, right, sir. Come on, you lot. Come on now. Come uh, on, and the
8: double in the hut. Uh, 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 oh, hello, sir. You're back then. Did the uh, did the Germans give you any trouble?
6: Not really, Wilson. Ah. But they're an ugly mob. Especially their captain, Muller. I have to watch him. He's a surly brute. Uh. He's done nothing else but sneer and smoke cigarettes. Really?
8: I wonder if he's got any to spare. I'm right <laughs> out of him. <laughs> is isn't a cocktail party, Wilson. No, no. Did you and Pike prime those grenades? Yeah, well, Mr. Manning, you see, we started... Yeah, I, things, I, I think well, I can honestly say, sir, that all the grenades now
4: have detonators in them.
8: Good. I'm I very mean. glad to hear it.
4: Mr. Manry, sir, I wish to report that the German prisoners are now in a muddle in the middle of the hall. <laughs> 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 They're in a huddle in the middle of the hall. Yeah, all right. Thank oh, you, John.
6: Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a minute. What's Walker doing chatting to them? Walker! Walker! I told you to go and get the vicar's steps. Oh uh, yes, yeah, sorry, Mr. Mannering. Uh, just going. Now don't forget, Fritz. Tell yeah. So mates, I'm in the market for purchasing Nazi daggers, swastikas, yeah. signed pictures of Adolf, <laughs> that sort of thing, badges. I'll give you a good price. All yeah, right. Mate. Yeah. Walk, walk. What do you think you're doing? How oh dare you fraternize with the enemy? Go and get those steps. I'm on my way, Mr. Mannering. Here, here's the Lewis gun, sir.
4: It's all loaded and ready. Good. Set it up on the stage. Very good, sir. Uh, Mr. Speaker. Yes, Jones. Well, sir, how about cutting the Germans' trouser buttons off, sir? Well, <laughs> <laughs> sir, if we cut their trouser buttons off and they try to run away, it would show at once that they are something unusual. <laughs> I am a Capitaine with the German Navy.
9: I refuse to let you drop my trousers. All <laughs> right, Captain Muller. I'll deal with it. The Geneva Convention clearly states that prisoners of war will not be put into humiliating positions. You'll
4: be in a humiliating position, mate. you get my baited up, you. <laughs> don't you threaten me, you silly old fool. I am not old. I am not all, old. All right, all right. Jones, Jones. How do you do?
6: And you, Captain Muller, go and stand with your men. And don't speak until you're spoken to.
9: I am warning you, Captain
6: see, Wilson, that's the sort of insolent swine we're up against.
8: Yes, sir. <laughs> his hair has got rather an abrupt manner, I know, but perhaps we ought to make allowances for him. After all, he is probably upset because we sank his submarine.
6: Where do you want these steps, Mr Mannering?
8: Set them up over there by the main doors.
6: What's that?
8: We'll be able to keep an eye on the entire
6: hall from the top of those. Pike! Yes, Mr Mannering. Take a Tommy gun and climb onto the top of those steps. Mr... Mr. Mannering. You know, I don't like going up ladders.
5: <laughs> I get terrible verdigris. <laughs> don't argue, boy.
6: Get up there at once. Oh, really? Why is it always me? always having to go up. Hey, it's ever so wobbly. Do as you're told. Godfrey. Did you call, sir? Yes, Godfrey. Hold Pike's ladder. Oh, yes, Mr. Mannery. Now, what can that be? Well, obviously, it's somebody ringing up, sir. Yeah, thank you, Wilson. <laughs> Take charge here. Very good, sir. Hello? Captain Manoring here.
2: Ah, uh, Colonel Winters here, GHQ. Everything all right, Mannering?
6: Yes, yes, thank you, sir. I've got the prisoners safe and sound. They're all ready for you to pick up.
2: Ah, uh, that's just it. I'm afraid the escort won't be able to get over there till tomorrow morning.
6: You mean to say that we've got to look after them all night?
2: Uh, sorry, can't do anything about it. I'll just give them a blanket each and bed them down. Oh, and um, give them something to eat, of course.
6: But we've only got our own sandwiches, Colonel.
2: Well, send out for some fish and chips. Send up... I'll well, see you get the money back. Uh, be over about 8 in the morning. Cheerio.
6: Cheerio. Goodbye, sir. Fish and chips. <laughs> really. Wilson! Wilson! Yes, sir. Yes, yes. That was GHQ. Oh. The escort can't get over until the morning. The prisoners have
8: got to be here all night.
6: Right. Now, you lot, pay attention.
8: My goodness me. They're, they're awfully well disciplined, sir. Nothing of the sort. Slavish blind obedience.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Not like the cheerful, light-hearted discipline that you get with our own (laughs) jolly-jack-tars. Oh, really, sir? These These men are part of a nation of unthinking automatons. Led by a lunatic who looks like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> How
9: dare you compare our glorious leader with that non-Aryan clown? You see this notebook, Captain. I am going to make a list of all your insults. Your name will go on this list, and when we
6: win the war,
4: you will be brought to account. Put down what you like
6: there. You're not going to win this war. Oh yes, we are. Oh no, you're not. Oh yes, oh, we no. are.
5: <laughs> Army says
6: his army
9: you boy your name will also go on the list. What is
6: it? Don't tell him Pike (laughs) So it is Pike, thank you Not here Captain Buller. I've had just about enough of this Tell your men that they're going to be here all night, and they better behave themselves now get on with it if you insist
9: no, all I'll pass eh? What is, it?
6: what is it, Frank?
8: I don't think it's fair, my name going on the list. I was only joking. Well, you been more careful, you see, Frank. I mean, you, you know that the Germans haven't got a sense of humour. But you said much worse things about it, eh? He said much worse things. No, no, no. All right, other... Frank, Frank, Frank. <laughs> Frank. Be quiet. He'll hear you. Do,
5: you. do you think if you talk to him nicely, he'd take my name off the list? I shouldn't think so
6: for a moment. Walk up. Yes, Captain Madamie? Time does the fish and chip shop shop? <laughs> uh, ten o'clock, sir. Ah, good. You'll just about make it. Okay. Here's ten shillings. Go down and get some fish and chips for the prisoners. Eh? Yeah, all right, sir. Wilson, Jones, come over here with me, I want to talk to you. All right, right, sir.
4: You
6: right then. That's eight cod and chips. I want place. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay,
6: seven cod, one place. Who wants vinegar? Can they put their hands up? One moment. Where will uh, yeah. One, two, three, four. Four with vinegar. How many with salt? Uh, yeah, salt?
10: Yeah.
6: Uh, one, two, three. Right. Now let's see if I've got this right. That's four with vinegar, three with salt. Walk, 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 two...
10: walk, walk. What would you
6: do? <laughs> I was just taking the order, sir.
9: One thing more. I don't want any soggy chips. <laughs> <laughs> I want mine. Crisp and light
6: brown. <laughs> How dare you. You listen to me. You'll have what you're given. And if I say you'll eat soggy chips, you'll eat soggy chips. <laughs> For goodness sake,
0: one o'clock, <laughs> You think old man didn't let some of us take it in turns to get some sleep, would you know? It's no use, Jock.
6: He won't let us take our eyes off those Germans for one second. He's become obsessed. Hey,
0: Cap Manoring.
6: Yes, Fraser? I don't know if you've noticed,
0: but yon cop Muller never takes his eyes off you for a single moment. If you would to ask my opinion, I'd say he doesn't like you very much.
6: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like to be in your shoes, sir. If he was to turn the tables on us. Don't worry, Walker. Not much chance of that. Ah, perhaps they've come for the prisoners after all.
7: Good evening, everyone. He-
6: oh, it's you, Vicar.
7: <laughs> Good
6: evening, Captain Mathering. What on earth uh, are you doing here at this time of night?
7: Well, I've just been over to Eastgate for a special midnight service.
0: Aye. Ah, Black Marsh, I shouldn't have wondered. <laughs> well, I thought
7: I'd just drop these prayer books in as I was passing. It'll save me. Just a minute. Why has Mr Jones got that big gun? And who are all those men?
6: Oh, don't worry about them. They're Nazi prisoners of war.
7: Oh, I see. Well, what was that you said?
6: These are German prisoners. Oh, dear. Nothing to worry about, Vicar. We've got everything under control.
8: (laughs) What was that? Look, sir, it's Captain Muller. He's lying on the floor. I don't trust him, Wilson. Well, we can't just leave him lying there. Well, come
7: on, Captain Merrick. have you no milk of human kindness? The man may be German, but he's still somebody's son,
0: you know. Uh, there's some bicarbonate of soda in my Red Cross pack. If someone
6: could undo the buckle for me. Stay where you are, Godfrey.
5: Yeah, and don't you let go of this ladder,
0: Mr. Godfrey. I'm
5: still up here. Oh, oh,
0: oh, oh. I think the man's fainted, sir. Yes, certainly looks like it.
7: Well, are you going to have a look at him or not, Captain Manring? What are you afraid of? they are only a few harmless German sailors.
6: Oh, very well. Stand back, you you, you Germans. Right, let's have a look. I'll just undo his jacket. He must be breathing all right. I wonder if he's- Ah! <laughs> ah! Oh! Look out, sir. He's got your revolver. Yes,
7: that is so. And you will notice that it is pointing straight at the vicar's head. Oh, dear. <laughs> but do something captain battery <laughs> no one move the next move is mine
9: hold
4: the machine gear. yeah yeah captain look out jones they're after your lewis gun well they're not going to have it sir we've only just been issued with it ourselves <laughs> <laughs> somebody will get hurt it's all right mr wilson i'm only going to frighten them Whoa! Oh! Oh!
6: Oh, dear!
7: Look at my roof!
10: <laughs>
6: Jones, do try to remember in future that firing over the enemy's head works better in the open air.
8: a <laughs> <laughs> Mannering, we've been outside and looked into your office through the window, but we can't see Muller or his men but they dashed in there during all that panic with our machine gun. If you include the vicar, whom they
6: took as a hostage, there are nine men in my office. Why on earth can't you see anybody? They've drawn the curtains.
8: Oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> that damn cheek that Muller's got. Well, how do you mean, sir? Taking over my office like that. Oh, yes, I agree, sir. yes, yes. Mind you, uh, Godfrey is rather relieved. Oh, in what way? Well, at first, he thought they'd requisitioned the gents. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't he ever think of anything else?
4: Captain Manrin, I-, I didn't let the Germans have the machine gun, did I? No, no, indeed you didn't, Jones. <laughs> I did do well, didn't I, Mr. Wilson? Yes, you did indeed. You did awfully well, well Yes, you? and you behaved well as well, Mr. Wilson. You were very cool, yeah. oh, you were. do you wear. think, so? I'm so
8: yeah. glad Come on, come on, Thank you.
4: When
0: Sergeant Wilson and Corporal Jones have finished their Mutual Admiration Society, maybe he'd like to tell us what we're what going to do No. Yeah, we can't stand around here all night. And what about the vicar? I mean, what's going to happen to him?
5: Yeah, remember Captain Muller's still got your revolver, Mr. Manreen.
6: Ah, yes.
9: Captain ben! As you will see, I have your revolver pointed at the head of the vicar. Unless you agree to take me and my men back to the fishing boat so that we can cross to France, I will blow his brains out.
6: How dare you, you, you unspeakable swine?
9: I will give you three minutes to make up your mind. Otherwise, I carry out the execution.
4: Difficult situation, this... Well, whatever happens, sir, we can't let them escape, sir. If they get back to France, they could get another submarine and start sinking our ships again. No, it's really a case of
8: one man's life against thousands, sir.
0: <laughs> a terrible decision you've got to make, Captain Manorin. Still, he must admit, the vicar has been a bit of a nuisance at times, Jim. You <laughs> <laughs> have never really liked having to share his office, admit it, sir.
6: <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> must be some other way. If only we could get your revolver away from him, Mr Mannering. Mr Manorin, mm. I
5: saw a film once called a Petrified Forest, and Humphrey Bogart was holding Leslie Howard at gunpoint in a cabin all night. And Leslie Howard kept quoting poetry and using long words. It didn't half upset Humphrey Bogart. Perhaps you could do the same, Mr Manorin.
8: I missed that film. What, what happened to Leslie Howard? <laughs> he got shot. Oh. <laughs> Stupid boy. <laughs> I saw Freddy Bartholomew in David Copperfield, sir.
2: There really, it wasn't
6: anything in that. <laughs> Freddy Bartholomew. Uh, wait a minute. David Copperfield? Mr. Micawber, Something's bound to turn up. That's it. What do you mean, sir? Well, we'll play along with them. We've got to go through the town to get to the harbour someone's bound to raise the alarm. It'll be light very soon now. I'll give him a shout. Can you hear me, Muller? You sound just like Sandy Powell. Can
10: you
4: hear me, Mother? <laughs>
5: <laughs> you am finished, pack Now I can do Enoch as well. Let me oh, down Be you. quiet, boy!
6: <laughs> Muller. up! Yeah, I hear you. All right. We agree to your terms. You have to come, no son. Look, Mr. Mannering,
2: Muller's still holding the vicar at gunpoint
6: with your revolver. Look at that.
7: Oh, please, Mr. Muller, do be careful what you're doing with that gun. It's so
8: cold. Ah, <laughs> Captain.
9: I'm glad you have come to your senses. Tell your young soldier to hand over the Tommy gun to my man. Pike, do as he says. Yes, Mr. Mannering. Very sensible of you. And now, Captain. Get one of your men to bring me a hand grenade and a piece of string. Do as he says, Wilson. Right, I am going to give your men their rifles, but of course they have all been unloaded and the bayonets removed.
6: You won't get away with this, you know. We're bound to be spotted going through the town. No one will interfere, Captain,
9: because you will be escorting us with the empty rifles. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to make us do that? Very simply. Ah, here comes your sergeant with the hand grenade. Tell me, is it primed? Oh, yes, of course. Oh, you don't mind if I make sure, hmm? By all means, carry on. Yes, yes, that looks all right, mm. uh, you old man. Oh, me? Uh, Corporal, take off your belt and undo
4: the back of your tunic. I beg your pardon? Do as I say, remove your belt. If he thinks my trousers are going to fall down, he's wrong. I've got me braces on. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Now watch carefully what I am doing. I have tied one end of the piece of string to the pin of your grenade. Now, Captain, just to make sure your behaviour is correct, the old man will march in front of us with the grenade in the back of his trousers. One false move from anyone and I will pull the string.
0: a terrible way to die.
6: (laughs) Now, listen to me. I am the commanding officer here and it's only right that I should
4: have the grenade. I will not allow you to have a bomb in your trousers, sir. (laughs) It's not befitted to your station. It's different from me. I'm expandable, sir. (laughs) Anyway, they can put 20 bombs in my trousers, another 20 in my tunic, and three more in my forage cap, but they still won't make me crack. (laughs)
6: That's the spirit, Jones. There you are, Muller. How can you ever hope to beat us? You see the sort of men we breed in this country? Yes, rather stupid ones. (laughs) You can sneer. But you've forgotten one thing, Captain. What is that? The Royal Navy. <clears throat> <laughs> Royal Navy. You've got to cross 25 miles of water. You'll never make it. I think we will because
9: all of you will be on the boat with me. I'm sorry, I can't go on a boat. <laughs> I always
5: have to take seasickness pills now before I shall be ever so ill. Hold to be quiet, What?
9: You shall leave behind the old man with the Red Cross bag and he can tell your Royal Navy that you are all with us on the boat. They will not fire on their own people. Very clever, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. Now, Captain, I'm going to uh, unload your revolver. There. And then you can have it back. After all, everything must look as right as possible.
7: Excuse me, but do you think I'll be back in time for the Harvest Festival? <laughs> because if not, I really ought to rig up the bishop before we go.
10: Out
9: of the question, you're coming with us. and When we get to France, you will all be my prisoners, and then... We shall open the little notebook and examine the list. Oh, no.
5: (laughs) Uncle Arthur, it's not fair. Tell him I was only joking about Hitler. I didn't mean it. I didn't know Germans didn't have a sense of humour.
9: You will notice, Captain, we are almost at the harbour. You won't get away with it. I think I will. Uncle Arthur... Hmm? If I was to tell Captain Muller
5: that there's only a dummy detonator in the grenade, do you think he'd take my name off the list? I oh, want to be quiet, Frank, please.
8: I want to keep that to ourselves for the moment.
0: Hey, hey, Captain Mannering, look. Is that no? It's Colonel Winters coming to us, Marshal. You're
8: right, Fraser, it is.
6: Right, Muller, the game's up. What are you going to do now? I
9: am not going to do anything. You will bluff your way out.
4: Please, Captain Manning, if you don't do as he says... He'll pull my string and I shall be no more. Oh, no, he won't.
9: Oh, yes, I will.
4: Captain Manning, do you hear that? He says he will. Uh, (laughs) Mannering! Mannering!
9: Here comes your colonel. I'm warning you, Captain. Behave
4: quite
6: naturally.
2: Good morning, sir. Where on earth are you taking the prisoners' <coughs> Mannering?
6: Well, well the, the, the fact is, sir, I'm... I'm we're we're I'm,
4: going for a walk, sir. That's right, sir. We're going down to the harbour. Being men of the sea, they like to have a good breeze up them.
9: No. <laughs> <laughs> Be very
4: careful, Captain. Remember the grenade.
2: You know, I'm surprised at your mannering. Your men are usually so smartly turned out. How, 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 how,
6: how, how do you mean, sir?
2: Well, uh, why is Corporal Jones's tunic so untidy? And what's that great lump of string hanging down his back? St- St- string, sir? Uh, yes, look, here. Don't pull it, don't pull it. Uh, uh, what's oh. this pin on the end?
4: Oh,
10: what on, on earth is in
4: going in on? Get it out, Joe. Get I'm get out. trying to, Mr. Manry, No, I'm trying. It slipped down, <laughs> it slipped down. <laughs> don't panic, don't panic. Excuse me, excuse me, Colonel oh. Winters. I
8: wonder if I might borrow your revolver. Oh. I wish oh. someone would tell me what's going on. I'll fair in a moment, sir. Now, listen to me, you German chaps. Would you mind awfully just getting up against that wall with your hands up? Otherwise, I might have to shoot you.
6: <laughs> That's, better. That's better, yes. Wait a minute. That grenade should have gone off long ago. So it should. Oh, Mr Manning, I've been saved, sir. I've been saved. Wilson, I thought I told you to prime those grenades. I did,
8: sir, with dummies. Really? Why is it you never do a so- you You've saved Joan's life. Well, now perhaps you'll agree with me, sir. It really is awfully dangerous to keep the grenades primed. All right, Wilson. you made your point.
6: If you think I'm going to write it out 500 times, you're mistaken. (laughs) Jones! Fall the men in. Stand by to escort the prisoners back to the church hall. Right, yep. Right, fall
4: in, men. Get the prisoners lined up.
6: Come on, on, Pike.
5: Didn't you hear, Corporal Jones? Yes, sir. What are you doing, boy? I'm just tearing up Captain Muller's notebook. (laughs) And there. I have snapped his pencil in two as well. When the war's over, I'm not having given my name to her, Hitler, so there.
11: In that episode of Dad's Army, based on the original television series by Jimmy Perry and David Croft, you heard Arthur Lowe as Captain Mannering, John Mesurier as Sergeant Wilson, Clive Dunn as Corporal Jones, John Lorry, Private Fraser, Arnold Ridley, Private Godfrey, Ian Lavender, Private Pike, Frank Williams, the Vicar, Philip Maddock, Captain Muller, Larry Martin, Private Walker, and Fraser Carr as Colonel Winters. The Deadly Attachment was adapted for radio by Harold Snowd and Michael Knowles and produced by John Dias. <laughs>
3: And that was the brilliant Dad's Army, a slice of great British greatness there for you. And with that, episode the 30th comes to an end. The next time you hear from me, it'll be with the next special, The Adventures of Alfred Hitchcock, which I'll be rushing to finish, so I won't be with you for a few weeks, but I'll be back as soon as I can. Don't forget to check out the Secret History of Hollywood podcast and follow at Movie Histories on Twitter. They're all awesome. Thank you for all of your support, and I look forward to returning to you soon. Have a super February, and bye for now. Hear
2: you. Hear you. Hear you. Be lifted up. Hear you. Turn upside down without breaking. Hear you. Hear you. You listen to me, Mr. Fotheringay. Hear you. Hear you. Be a comb like Wakandri. Hear you. And all your freckles begun? And your complexion be perfect. Hear you. Go back. Go back. Why don't Bobby winch? Ear you. And you'll be an extinguisher again and we'll say no more about it. Hear you. Hear you. Hear you. A blooming miracle.